Welcome everyone. We are about to begin feedbacks and insights share number thirty-two. Email address shalombaya seven 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 at gmail.com. We're going to talk now um, about the subject of overinvolvement uh, by in-laws, which could be a recipe for disaster. And here I did get uh, some feedback uh, to talk about the subject, which we haven't talked much about thus far. So we're going to discuss the subject now. Um, as before, there is um, a clinical psychologist, Bensian Sarotskin, um, who has a little very uh, many insightful papers on the subject that takes Torah-based uh, um, sources and blends that with the down-to-earth um, psychology and the very, very good papers. And I um, quoted and talked uh, in previous shiurim with, in regards to some of them. And uh, this is another one that I'm going to... Uh, based a lot on this particular uh, paper that he wrote. And um, a lot of it is common sense, and a lot of it is basically scientifically studied, and um, and Tyra, um, it's according, in accordance to Tyra, despite many people think that it would not be so. Because again, you know, one of the greatest, greatest mitzvahs in the Tyra is Kibbut Aim. It's in the Aserah Sadibris. It's in the Aserah Sadibris in the first five. Uh, the fifth one, which is in the Beinad Olamokim category. And it compares it to Kfayda Ashkena. And then you can't, it, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest mitzvahs. Um, but, and this is the but, that's a real but. There are Gedarim in this mitzvah. And for one's own self-preservation and the preservation of one's marriage, there could be um, healthy practices that may not seem uh, as kibbut of an aim or even contrary to it that actually is the right thing to do in those situations. Of course, if you're not sure, you ask um, for guidance from a Rav or, uh, you know, someone competent to know the situation of what to do and how to go about to do it. But there's definitely those situations exist, and unfortunately, it's pretty common. And the degree of the over-involvement and damage caused with that over-involvement varies greatly from one case to another. Because some could just be simply mildly intrusive, which is common and for the most part not you know, harmless or not really harmful. But then it goes to the degree of almost total control. Um, and one needs to realize that if they had or if they have a controlling parent you usually could root that back from way, way before the child's marriage. Uh, in other words, and Rabbi Ruskin says this, and this is spot on, it says, says if you have over-controlling in-laws, they probably were once over-controlling parents. And, um, you know, some parents have this uh, concept that they feel they have a right to control all aspects of their young children's lives, and by feeling that way and acting that way, it will prompt them to control their married children's lives as, as well. 
And, um, you know, and some of them in the from circles may combine this with the idea of there's a shalshalas here, and uh, the wisdom of the previous generations giving over to the future generations, and all this is very true. But it doesn't, uh, when there's uh, unhealthy control, uh, that goes out the window. And um, very often, you know, if you're a healthy parent, you also allow your child a certain degree of autonomy and a certain degree of sense of self and independence. And those type of parents who inculcate that in their children most likely will not be um, become in-laws that interfere uh, in an unhealthy way in their children's marriages. And um, Rav Sarotskin brings from Rav Arya Leib Steinman. Uh, he dis- someone basically discussed the case uh, with him about parents who sided with their son in a, some type of machlekes and shouldn't their shalom bias. And the parents told their son, we won't support you anymore emotionally unless you get a get from your wife and uh, you divorce your wife. And Rav Steinman responded that those parents are not behaving properly Parents should not interfere with the married couple or any issue that rises between them. Because does a parent own the child? Does any person own another person? No one does. And um, basically, Steinman said a story about the Briskarov, similar idea where um, the, the girl wanted to marry a certain young man. Again, a Balmidis type is a good person. But the father said he's not a big enough Talmud Chacham. You know, he's not a big enough, uh, uh, you know, idea as much as the father would like him to be. And uh, Chaim Briska told the father, you don't own your daughter. She's an adult. You can't control her choice of a husband. Again, I'm sure it goes with certain limitations, but, um, you know, but that's an important side uh, to have. And Rabbi Frand also heard from Ramosha Shapiro, also a story about the Briskarov. But Bekitzer, the Yisoid, what the Briskarov said is that children are not, uh, the purpose of children is not that they should pay you back. You know, you gave them life and they're going to pay you back or give you nachas. You're not giving that to your children as an investment, so you should get future nachas from them. You can daven for nachas, of course. You could just like you daven for health, just like you daven for ashiris, uh, you know, parnasa. But that's not why you have children. The purpose of children is not that you should invest in them kaiches, so they should, um, you know, give you nachas or pay you back in some way. The idea of it is giving. Yes, there's a concept in in, in the Gemara Subis about you know Mara Lechutra, you know whatever it is that uh, uh, or even a woman is not mitzvah periviravia to have children that will take care of her needs when she gets older. So it's not a concept that's totally foreign, but that's definitely not the purpose of having children. And Roshlam Rolba also talks about it. He has a sefer called Sefer Zriya Binyan Bechinach. And he says very often parents are very egotistical when it comes to um, their children, where they're nice towards other people, but they're very um, not healthy. 
you know, when they deal with their children, where there's kinna and sinna and kas and gaiva, and especially the need to control, and they mamish feel their child is their possession, I'm entitled to rule with them absolutely. Like, they're, 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 that's my object, and his mission is to serve me, you know, and they throw the kibbut of aim card at them. And um, that is not healthy. And controlling parents do that often. They make unreasonable demands and they cite the mitzvah of kibbutz of aim to make their kids feel guilty. And uh, Rav Sarotskan brings from a Sefer Abris from Rav Pinchas Eliyahu Vilna. It's in Chelek uh, Beis, Maimur Yud Gimel, Perak Tesvav. You can look at it inside. And he says uh, also this aside that there are people who are very careful not to hurt anyone's feelings and they treat everyone with love, but they hurt their own children. And they justify that by saying that that's not wrong. Hashem gave me these children. Then the Chuyiv al of aim to be mechabed me, to listen to me. And for that, their Mechuyiv to listen to me, especially to, to, to force them to keep the Derech HaTayra. But the truth is, there's, words have no logic, and it's not consistent with Torah values, because children are included in the Vahaf Deloriacha And you get punished more severely for hurting a relative than if you hurt uh, a stranger, and certainly if you hold, hurt your own child. And um, Ramosha Shapiro talks about this too, and um, the, you know, we're going to talk about this as Hashem uh, more uh, because it's a very important subject. And he brings some situations of over-demanding or controlling parents and in-laws. And if you have these simonim by you, then it's something that we're going to talk about how to go about um, taking care of it in, a, in the right way. Um, sometimes you have, for example, a situation where elderly, widowed mother uh, that's very critical of of her daughter, then moves in with her daughter and son-in-law. Uh, you know, they're doing a chesed, taking care of her, and she continues criticizing. And now the son-in-law is often the target. And um, so the mother blasts uh, to her daughter and curses out the husband. And uh, the daughter who's intimidated by her mother, um, you know, keeps quiet because I'll keep it of an aim and it causes a lot of damage to the marriage. Uh, other situations also, we had a controlling father and he became widowed and uh, his father moved in with the couple and uh, the son wanted to be mechanach his own children in a more looser manner, more compassionate manner. And his father said, you're spoiling them. And he followed his father's uh, instructions and became much harsher with them, which caused a lot of problems in the children. And later he had to ask Mechila from his children because basically what he realized what he was doing is he was trying to be Matthias, his father, by being harsher to his own children than he really wanted to be or uh, more than what he should have uh, done. And all these cases... And the truth is, is that many parents who became over, come overly involved, sometimes it's not um, because you want to be controlling. Sometimes you do have a sincere desire to help. 
but you have to really, really evaluate it because your interference very often could cause more damage than good uh, because you're only looking at the short-term issue. And you can make misguided attempts to be helpful and you're not being helpful at all. You know, if anything, you should ask a wise person that knows about these things and ask first how much you should, you see, let's say your 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 child is married and you're worried about something and how to go about it. You have to ask a Shaila. You really have to be careful. Um, here's another story. It's an extreme example of misguided attempts to be helpful. Um, you had a 17-year-old boy who dropped out of school and the father was concerned, you know, about his uh, inappropriate dress, his speech, his music, his hairstyle, and all of that. But uh, the father said, Baruch Hashem, I got my son to learn one hour a day. Baruch Hashem for that. And uh wondered, like, how in the world did you get your son to learn one hour a day? And the father said, very simple, he desperately wanted to take driver's education and get a license, and I told him that the only way you'll get your license if you learn one hour a day. And the son was burning mad, but he had no choice. He wanted the license, so that's what he did. And Rosrotskin says that he related this story to many parents and many teachers, and the rave of them thought that the father acted properly. And they they used a raya from the chenach, saying that chitzonius, when you do an outside uh, a behavior, it'll motivate your inner behavior. And they use this as a raya that the father did the right thing. He coerced the child to learn an hour uh, so he could get his driver's license, that ultimately the learning of the hour, he'll warm up to it and he'll start loving Torah. However, that's a mistake. And he brings the Rechaim Friedlander, says this, Sefer Sefer Chaim, Mayadim, Chelek Beis, page 346. He says that that's not what the Chazal means. Chazal, when they say that the Chitzonius, that outside uh, actions influence the inner motivation, that's only true when the person willingly identifies with that positive behavior, not if he is coerced into that behavior. And um, Rav Sarotskin said that uh, he had a discussion, in, this was 2007, with Rabbi Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz and Bnei Brak, and he told them this whole Misa uh, about this, this, this parent uh, made his, quote-unquote, at-risk son, his driver's education course is conditioned on, based on the fact that he had to uh, learn every day for an hour with Chavrusa. And uh, I told him, meaning Srotskin said to Rabbi uh, Michal Yudalevkowitz, that many teachers and many parents agree that that was the right thing to do. And Rabbi Michal Yudalevkowitz said that anyone who thinks so doesn't understand the first thing about Chinuch. They don't understand the first thing about education. That's not how you go about it. Um, and again, um, I am no expert on Kirov and things like that, and, but it's very, very clear that the way you get someone off the derech um, and to get them to warm up again to Tyra and Mitzvahs, uh, you don't use these forms of manipulation. You know, It doesn't work. It usually backfires terribly. And um, 
it's a very, very, very important yesite. And um, it's something that um, is important to know that uh, you have to make sure um, that you're careful. It's a very delicate topic. The whole in-law parent thing in a marriage dynamic is a delicate topic. It does require a balance because you want your parents in your life and you want your in-laws in your life, especially they're good people. You want them to have a shaykhus with you in your marriage in a healthy way and the closeness, you know, and to know your grandkids, your children, your your parents or in-laws, grand, grandkids. But nevertheless, there needs to be strong boundaries in order to maintain a healthy marriage in the proper structure. And the best thing would be, you know, as they get married, to view it more as a friendship. Of course, it's kabbadah savicha vesimecha. In the normal sense, you would do everything you can to be them with the greatest possible covet. But at the same time, if you if if they go overboard, it could be very complicated, very messy, very unhealthy. And um, this is something I'm saying on my own. It was interesting. Um, uh, I heard uh, via the Zoom, you know, the Levaya of Rav David Feinstein's Zechitzadlik Levracha, and his Einaklach talked, and all of his Mishpacha talked, and basically they all said that um, they didn't move a hand or a foot, nothing, without Rav David, um, um, you know, advising them to do something or not do something, and they followed his word to the T. But you need to know, I mean, this is goes this is obvious without saying anything, is Rav David Feinstein Zechit Tzadik Lavracha was the type of personality, was the punkt fakert of controlling, the opposite of controlling, um, they asked him his advice on things voluntarily with a full rutzen, and he gave whatever advice they, he gave. And I'm sure, again, I, I, I can only see from what I sense, from what I, what I heard in the Levaya, it's not like he uh, was domineering in any way or controlling in any way, Khalila the Khalila. And um, that's very important. It's usually a paradox, usually. The ones that are not controlling and allow that freedom and allow that space will usually prompt the children uh, to want to ask that person advice and their guidance, while the one who is more controlling in their nature, they want to have distance from, because they realize that it could be very unhealthy. And boundaries can be difficult, especially when we're close to our parents, and especially if a parent wants to dominate in the relationship of a married child, and now you have to place a boundary, it could be very difficult to place that boundary, but it is important. So as a marshal, if a parent comes unannounced to your home whenever they feel like it, there needs to be a gather. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. No kibbutz aim in this case. Not to cut off completely. Halila, you're welcome, but it's unhealthy to let them come in whenever they want. And there's a fine line between finding the sacred space, find, uh, finding a sacred space in your marriage and in your own family structure, and at the same time, allow safely for your parents and your in-laws and to the, allow them to enter into the lives of your, of your marriage and your children to a healthy degree. And it requires a healthy balance. Um, very often, the issue happens a lot with a mother, 
mother-daughter dynamic. It could be any dynamic of any type, but mother-daughter dynamics are very common because very often the mother is escaping her own reality of her own marriage and looking to her daughter to fill a void that she, the mother, is lacking at home. And she uses her daughter emotionally to fill that void. So the daughter needs to respect her mother and spend time with her, of course. But if that is an excess and it's at the price of having quality time with your own husband and your own children, then you need to stop it or certainly curtail it and not allow your mother to do that. She could have control issues. She may not even realize that she's having those control issues or that she's using her daughter to fill an emotional void and getting involved in her life because her own life has some issue that she doesn't want to deal with. Um, so um, these are things that's important to know. And Beza Hashem, we're just going to continue in another clip um, on, on this subject. Okay, we're just being mamshech in the feedback number 32 in about, uh, about uh, the in-laws and um, about creating those boundaries. The one in the marriage who needs to create those boundaries if a parent or in-law is interfering, the one who's supposed to do that, is it the husband? Is it the wife? The answer is it's the child. It's the, the child of that particular person that's being controlling not the in-law. So if it's a mother-daughter relationship, it's the daughter that needs to put those boundaries there, not the son-in-law. And the mother, you know, because the mother with the son-in-law, forget about it, it's a disaster. The mother with the child could be a disaster too. The mother could have a fit, a blow-up, and hang the phone up and scream and yell. Uh, but still, that's the way it has to be. Uh, it's still a daughter. The groundwork has to be made by the child. And you respect your parents and you tell them that I respect you and I love you. And, um, but um, I have to do these boundaries. Uh, my marriage is not a Hefka place. You, you, and you have to, you cannot back down. If you see it's clearly unhealthy, even for Shalom, because sometimes just because you, your, your parent, if they're very controlling and you fight back and you draw a line, they're going to go crazy for a little while and it'll interfere a little bit with the Shalom. But if the parent is clearly a dom dominating and intrusive, you need to put a stop to it. Because if you don't, it will escalate. So you need to take action now. Ask a Shiloh if you don't know how to go about it. What word you use? If you get upset, you have to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm upset now. I'll put the phone now. We'll have a discussion at a different time. It's a delicate process. It takes courage. It's not an easy thing. But if um, it, whoever the parent is that has this issue of over-interference, it's the child that needs to say it. Um, you know, we're family. You tell your mother, but my husband and children are, are my family, and I have to put them first. That's what Hashem wants. And you hold your ground in a calm, respectful way. And it may get nasty, but you calmly hang up. It may be a battle, but it's the right thing to do, and it'll keep your marriage strong. And hopefully your parent will come around. And if they don't, it's unfortunate. But you, your marriage 
takes priority. And you give your parents, you say, you know, I'm not, well, I don't want you, Khalila, to be shut out of our lives. We're not talking about toxic. If it's toxic, you ask a Shaila, whatever. But you give them set times. You're welcome to come, but not, you know, walking in whenever you feel like it. And you don't give in to bullying from your parent or manipulation. And they'll use, uh, you know, I love you or it's a sake of love or you don't care about me anymore or you don't have a karasatayv for all those things I did for you all these years or kibbutz aim. You can't listen to any of that um, when there's over-interference. You're not sure you ask a shayla of where to, how to put the line and you put the line and you don't allow your children, which are your parents' grandchildren, to be used as pawns. Uh, because your goal is you cannot please everybody. In these situations, you can't please any everybody. And when there's a choice, a cold choice, and a true choice between um, your parents and your spouse, it's your spouse. Al-Kenyazav ish es oviv ves imai v'davak we're not talking here about a case where the couple is a young couple, very arrogant and uh, not respectful. We're talking about a couple that is respectful, that love their parents, that 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 take it seriously, give it other aim, but they realize that there is some controlling going on here that has to be stopped, and then it has to be stopped. And um, you can never choose a controlling parent over your spouse, period. And it's hard. And it's easier to sweep it under the rug. But your parents need to know that your priority is with your spouse. And, um, you know, you're worried about the mitzvah, kibbutz of aim, and Khalila violating that mitzvah. You talk, you ask a shayla, you talk to a rav. But you have to talk to a rav. You can't just assume it and swallow everything. Because a rav may actually tell you that you have an achrayas to keep those boundaries and borders. And they'll tell you how to do it respectively, and you do it respectfully. Uh, but you need to prioritize your marriage first. And, um, you know, again, you know, if a spouse, a mother, husband or wife wants to spend time with uh, their parents, that's okay. That's that's okay. That's more than okay. Or, or visit them every day if they're, let's say, elderly and they're lonely and you, you go over every day and you have tea with them and you talk to them for a half hour a day, an hour a day, you know, when you have the time and spend a lot of time with them. And when they're not well, you take care of them. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But still, your own husband, your own wife is the icker. That has to be the priority. And your parents really should know this too. And another Aitza. Never compare your wife with your mother. First of all, just to put it bluntly, your sex life will go down the tubes if you start comparing your wife to your mother. That's just simple advice. And they are not comparable. And you're not supposed to compare the two, period. And um, that's very, very important. And uh, it's with a daughter and a husband and, and a father also. Sometimes uh, a, a daughter could hold her father in such high esteem that her husband can never measure up to her father. And for those wives, I'm telling you now, don't expect your husband to be like your father. They're different people. You didn't marry your father. You're married to your husband. He has a lot of qualities that your father doesn't have. Your father may have a lot of qualities that your husband doesn't have that you wish he had. But you know something? That's life. And 
You're supposed to focus on the positive that's in your husband, not compare him to your father, and make the best of it and bring out the best in your husband and your husband bringing out the best in you. And that's the idea. And I'll mis- be messiah here with certain pointers that Rabbi Tzian Saraskin says in his paper. Uh, really, it's going on the parent now. That if the parent is misupic on whether they should intervene in the affairs of their married children, they f- need to consider these following things. Before I start, I just want to say that uh, between my wife, and again, we're young with this. We have uh, a married child, but not for only a few years, so we're new to this. And But in general, till now, what has worked is that if it's mamish, we feel there's some pikuach nefesh issue going on, then we may express our opinion about something. But as far as... Uh, Things like where they're going, yontif, and, you know, tit-for-tat type of things, we don't care, you know, it's just, we throw it out the window. You know, you're your own, you're welcome anytime, you know, you came here, this first day you have to be there, the second day you you, you, were, you were by your in-laws for Pesach, I need you here for Sukkot, whatever it is, you know, we're not into that stuff. But, uh, and I think that's healthy. is a different story. You know, and how you say it, you also have to be careful. So anyway, so Rabbi Spetsiyah Tzeruskin says, number one, to the parents, you don't own your children, so you don't have a right to intervene. You have a chiv to take care of your children, so you need to evaluate if there's a way that you can make a helpful contribution. And number two, if your issue is criticism, meaning you're critical in the way he or she dresses or spends money, there's little chance that saying something to them will be helpful. If um, if you weren't able to guard your child while they were under your roof in the proper way, when they were younger, you're not going to be matzliach now. So give it up. And number three, if you're concerned that they're experiencing difficulties and you like to help, you need to ask these questions to yourself. What's your history of your relationship with your child and your in, and your son-in-law, daughter-in-law? And does your child look for you for emotional support? Do you yourself with your child have or had a conflicted or distant relationship while your child was under the roof with you before they got married? And if that's the case, then you're, you don't intervene because your, your intervention will not be helpful. If it was not helpful when you were under the same roof with your child, it's not going to be helpful now. And um, even if your child solicits, says, I need your help, the spouse may resent your intervention. And it's better probably to say, I'll be happy to, you know, I, I want to help you, but this is something you really should go to an objective outside rav to handle to handle it. You give them encouragement, chizik, but on the nitty-gritties of those particular things, you ask them to go to a third party. You're probably the least qualified to um, to do this. So again, so this is just general guidelines. I know this is a tip of the iceberg. It could get very complicated. You know, there's some of you out there that have beautiful, wonderful relationships with your in-laws. And sometimes it's very, it's not so uncommon that in many cases, um, people have a more beautiful relationship with their in-laws than with their own parents. Uh, That happens too, you know, and, um, 
you know, it's a beautiful thing uh, when there is a shalom, and halavayda should be shalom in all of Kal Yisrael. And but again, this idea is very, very important. Vidavak um, beishtai. That's the way Hashem wants it. And again, Kibbutz Aim is a tremendous mitzvah. If you both could do it together, your husband and wife together, of honoring your respective parents with the mo- most honor, you know, invite them for Shabbosim and or invite them for meals and help them out in any way you can. But again, it all has to be with Berotzen Hatoiv Valev Shalom of both husband and wife and the children and in a way where there is no interference into the privacy and sanctity of the relationship between the husband and the wife and their children that are under their roof. And that's very, very important. Um, Rav Vigdemilla used to say, advice for in-laws, give money and keep your mouth closed. Uh, you know, I know it's not always as simple as that. Um, but again, it, it requires a lot of forethought before and it's not easy sometimes. A parent sits on the sideline, see something that they don't like or disturbs them, and they have to use a lot of discretion and shikladas before they start interfering in any way. And um, may Hashem help that all um, Yiddish homes should be with shalom, that there's a way to keep those healthy, healthy boundaries where your parents and in-laws are part of your lives with a shalom, with a hava, with a achva, with a respect, and with the same time appreciating the healthy borders, recognizing the value and sanctity of each individual mishpacha uh, as well, because that is the ikr. Have a wonderful day.